Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Talk. <laughs> Yay! Welcome to Book Talk. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast where we read a section of a book and then we talk about it. And today we're talking about the second section of, of Women in Salt. Uh, which we are loving so far. I do think a trigger warning for this episode, we'll probably talk about things like sexual assault and addiction. So just keep that in mind. Every time I read this book, I'm like, okay, so many things happen. Let me try to summarize them in a couple of sentences. But actually, every chapter is its own story. Um, so in this section in particular, we spend a lot of time with Jeanette. So we see her at a couple different phases in her life. Um, we see her as a flashback when she's with Johnson on the beach, when she discovers the dead body, which yikes. Um, and she's pretty young in that situation. And then we see her again in Cuba with her cousin. It's in present day, um, and go on that adventure with them. We also get some of Jeanette's story from Carmen's point of view, which is her mom, um, and you know, they find a Panther, which is like a totally normal addition to the story. <laughs> and then Florida. we get a, oh my God, so Florida. And then we can get a glimpse into Anna's life in Mexico after the deportation center, um, which is also in present day. So yeah, just like a couple of stories and a couple of shocking moments. That's all. Many, many shocking moments. I'm never going to get over the Panther. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it built up so much that by the time she actually sees that it's a panther, you're like, okay, of course we knew it was a panther all along. I thought it was going to be another dead body, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a person making like a guttural growl. I thought that for sure that the cougar had like killed somebody. Right, right. Yes, same. And that's what I thought. Well, I didn't even think it was a cougar. I just thought it was like a dead person in the house. And I thought it was a panther. I was like, well, it was a little a little more anticlimactic. But the part of that I loved was just the visual of her in this like sweaty suit and kitten heels, just like sprinting through her neighbor's backyard. Like, don't mind me. I'm just a suburban mom. Okay. The first story that we read about is Jeanette and her first kind of foray into drugs. I think it's the first time she tries cocaine in the club with this guy, Johnson. And she does Gabriella does such a good job of conveying how sometimes when you're in these life-defining moments, you have this awareness, what I'm doing right now is a big deal, but also I feel like it's nothing at the same time. And Jeanette's having this like double consciousness, experiencing this night, which is supposed to be like so fun, realizing it's not so fun. She's in it anyway. It must be so difficult to describe what she's going through and then also how she's processing it at the same time. But she does it so well that you get both of those things seamlessly. Yeah, I think it's almost like she's having one of those out-of-body experiences where you're like, I'm in this, like she's in this club and she's like, I'm supposed to be having the time of my life here. This is something exhilarating, but also kind of like out of her own body watching. She's like, the bartender is laughing. She's the only one who sees how funny this is, like how absurd this is. But I feel like, Jeanette's having both those at the same time yeah where she's watching and she's like this is so dumb it's like she's at a phone party she's like having a great night she's a little bit drunk and then she's like so we're all standing around here getting sprayed by this stupid foam machine like what's going on like where am I and then I think what's also interesting about this scene is like she's doing she's doing cocaine with him outside of the bathroom and she's like I know this isn't like she knows it's not a good idea she doesn't really want to do it and she's like but the 
the opposite side of this is he'll figure out that I'm not as cool or as one of the harder girls or whatever, as she called it. Um, and I won't be who he thinks I am. So I'm going to do it anyways. And it's like that pressure that is hard to describe. I feel like she does such a good job of explaining how that feels when you're like, when you are her age, I mean, she's 15 and you just want to be accepted by people. You're not really like sure who you are yet. So those moments you're like, I know this isn't me. This isn't what I want, but being embarrassed or being shown for who I really am is definitely worse in the situation. So then they, you know, you make a decision that's probably not the best. And then, you know, that night goes like quickly downhill because we don't get any end of that story. I just can't get over there like on the beach. And she's like, I mean, that is a definite like sexual assault moment. She's in this like awful situation that she's just like, I'm just going to look at the ocean. And then she like sees a dead body. What? Like that is terrifying. I mean, that whole night is terrifying. And then to end with that, and then she's just like asleep somewhere and it's over. So I wonder if the if the dead body will come back, like if that will relate back to our story in some way, or if that's just part of Jeanette's trauma. You know, she's Jeanette is so young at this time, but yet she's so smart and like so advanced, um, just mature, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. But then the idea of like just lying there and she's like kind of disassociating, like, well, what what else was I thinking would happen is just right. oof, that's brutal. It is it's really sad. It is. It's also sad. You know, I think everyone has this moment at some point when you're growing up, but like she's trying so hard to be one of the cool girls because she wants to be, you know, look like she was like, once he looked at by the boys like that or seen by the girls like that or whatever it is. And I feel like she comes to this realization, like they're not any happier. Maybe they're worse because they're, you know, and realizing that the cool people aren't really cool, but it's so hard when you're like in middle school in those first couple of years of high school, because everything is so, everything feels like such a big deal and everything is so like hormonal and clicky, but like later in life, looking back on that, you're like, why did I give a shit about those people? It's so surprising from this scene is that she realizes immediately like, oh, wow, maybe they're not any happier. Maybe they're less happy. Like she realizes it at the time that like, oh, actually, this is the thing I thought would like unlock this other life for me. And it's not there. And so it's kind of surprising that she goes from this point and maybe there's like more to come for her but she goes from this point into like deeper drug addiction and abusive relationships because she's like tasted it and is like oh yeah this does not offer anything that it's supposed to like this is supposed to make me happier and I actually feel horrible you know I don't know I I think also Gabriella is really like nailing uh these metaphors of like the dead body at the time where she's laying there like a dead body kind of like letting this man rape her because she's a child um and then to flash forward with the panther of like the unspoken trauma in their family um she's just like killing it with like these layers I love it I like that we're so this is a sort of like the format of the book is not what I was expecting I thought we would go between a couple characters and like stay with them and it seems sort of like we're doing that with Jeanette but we're spending a lot of time in a lot of different uh, situations so it's reading more to me like a collection of like short stories where like each one I'm like wait I want to know so much more like we end we end this section with Mae Dellis and I'm just like I first of all I'm obsessed with you I need to know so much more about her life and I want to like stay with her in this 
you know, I want to go back to the night that they had with the German and like relive the whole scene and also learn more about her and her husband. Like there's just so much more to each of the characters, but that is leaving us wanting more. So it is like pretty effective. Oh, it's definitely working. I want to know everything about all these stories. And I feel like a lot of times reading books where there are multiple perspectives, one of them isn't getting like isn't as enticing or doesn't make you want to keep reading it. And I feel like here they're all so interesting and such like, yeah, complex and interesting characters. Like I just want to know more about them. I'm excited to see like how this, how these stories weave together because they're in such different time periods. I mean, we still have a story from the 19th century (laughs) sitting here. And then we have like Mexico 2016. We have, you know, we have all these different places and times. So I'm excited to see like how she'll weave this together to come out with like a larger theme I feel like Jeanette is our larger theme like Jeanette and her life is really the character we're supposed to be there's all these stories that are kind of peripheral to hers but hers is the main one um I think I don't know but I'm excited to see how this like wraps up like we have such a short time left with these characters and I don't know how she's gonna come to some kind of closure conclusion because there are so many loose ends which isn't necessarily a bad thing I just I'm curious how she'll end it yeah I So there's like the traditional way that you would tell a story, which is like from point A to point B, like chronologically. And instead, we're like layering things on like piece by piece in a very natural way. So we learn in the Thanksgiving scene from Carmen's perspective about like the abuse that Jeanette got from her dad um, and about Carmen's relationship with her father and sort of her relationship as a mother. So we look like we learn so much through this like one awkward Thanksgiving dinner with just like the layers of trauma in Jeanette's life and also the layers of like things not talked about. You know, I think it's it just she does it in such a smart way that you learn about this story of trauma as you know, Carmen is like running barefoot in her neighbor's backyard and she's like, well, he just did stuff over the clothes. So like, is it that bad? Maybe it's not that bad. How do these things happen? Like, how can I justify this to myself while she's like dealing with this other situation? And it's just like a fascinating way to tell the story and to peel these layers apart. And I think you're right. We're like learning more and more about Jeanette as she's interacting with all these other women in her life. I'm interested to see how they're going to weave Anna's story back in. I feel like that's the only one that feels very disconnected to all these pieces of Jeanette's life. It was such a short time that she spent with her that one night. Um, but we're getting like a full in-depth story of Anna living in Mexico now in present day. So when she was with Jeanette, she was eight. Now she's 12, um, working for this lady, Nancy. And which is just so sad. She's so young and she's just living this like completely unrecognizable life. And I just, I don't really know what the connection is between her and Gloria and how they're going to loop that back into all of these women in Jeanette's life. It's got to connect in some way. Yeah. I don't know how Anna is going to come back into it. I was definitely wrong that she did make it to the detention center. And then sadly they basically just got like dropped off in Mexico and we're like, figure it out, which is just like horrible. Um, and then we have, yeah, this weird relationship with Nancy. I just, I think it's so, another choice is that like women are featured so prominently in this storytelling where it's like, we're really focused on like Nancy, this white woman who is also not from Mexico, but is facing like completely different societal reactions yes. to her versus how they're reacting to Anna, who's from El Salvador. That was such a good comparison of the two of them, like being in the market and how she was treated because she's like, you know, 
because she's rich because she's seen as in some way superior like i don't know but it is so different than anna who they immediately like oh she's 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 othered immediately Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know because i don't but i don't think to your point i don't think that anna remembers Jeanette so I don't know how this is going to loop back in especially now that we know that Gloria has passed you don't think she remembers her we will see no I mean it was like two or three nights right and then the police came yeah but I feel like I don't know I think she's gonna remember her I think that's like a really traumatic night that wasn't like she just stayed at Jeanette's her babysitter once it was like the night her mom was taken and then she was picked up by the police and shipped to a deportation center like I feel like she's gonna remember the girl whose house she stayed at she may not remember a lot about her but I I think she's gonna remember her I don't know if she'll um like seek her out in some way like I don't know how Jeanette and her will reconnect but I feel like in some way they're going to connect again I think she'll remember her Okay, we'll see. We'll Mark have to find out. First prediction of today. <laughs> but the other thing I was going to say is there's just this really sad line when um, Anna's upset about being in Mexico and she's upset about like this life she's in. And Gloria, we hear from her point of view, she's like, you're longing for the home who never considered you hers. Like you're longing for this place that never fully accepted you, which is just like such a sad way to think of, you know, you can't be, they're not safe in the home country where Anna was born and then they're living a life in America that she is enjoying. And it's like a home that never considered you hers. It's just like such a heartbreaking way to describe what they must be feeling. Yeah. We, we also learned that like part of why Gloria had fled um, and that like how Anna was conceived and how Gloria like chose basically I'm pregnant from, being raped and I'm going to choose to have this baby because I'm going to make a better life for her you know I want to have this child and I think you know one thing that wraps I think this is at the end of Gloria's chapter where she basically says like you have so little choice in like what you're born into like it's a flip of the coin and you're born and how like instability is baked into Anna's life for no choosing of Anna or Gloria. It's like they're doing their best and yet at every turn they're never quite fitting in. Obviously this is the question we're supposed to be asking, but like where is Anna's home even? Because she's never lived in El Salvador. You know, she has like no memory of that and now she's in Mexico trying to speak Spanish with a Mexican accent and you know living with this white lady. Like there's just so many layers of displacement that Anna has experienced in her life. And there's no reason why that's not you other than just like luck for where your parents were and the time that you were born. It's why it's so confusing to me when people have these like anti-immigration views. Like they think it's something that they did or a decision or that they deserve somehow this life that they were given by chance. Like it is – I remember having an argument with somebody one time about this, like about – you know, people coming, crossing the border illegally. And I was like, the only thing that I think about when that happens is like, how lucky are you to be like a white middle-class person living here who doesn't ever have to worry about like keeping your children safe in that way? Who like, you get to love your children in this like easy world where maybe you do have struggles, but you know what? Like it's like, they're so insulated from what that must be like, but you are really just like a flip of a coin. Like she says, away from having been born into struggle and everyone is deserving of this like prosperous chance or these opportunities. And that's why I just, I don't understand how you can be like, we don't want to help people or we don't, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying at all? 
Yeah, I mean, we like the idea also that we don't have enough to go around or that more Ugh, people yeah. are not actually going to benefit us as a country. I, I do think it's not necessarily that people are thinking of people as others, but like the powers that be, it benefits them to make us fight over scraps. We're definitely like seeing a lot of different experiences of being othered in this book and how immigration and political instability and sort of like timing play a huge role in like the quality of someone's life and I think that is what is heartbreaking about this book I mean Anna is a as a child she's 12 years old and she's cleaning the house for Nancy and Nancy justifies it by being like well it's just an allowance I'm not you're not an employee I'm giving you an allowance aka I'm giving you money (laughs) to help your mom clean my house the last part of the story is Jeanette and Maydellis in Cuba. Um, so I think this is present day, right? Or at least like, yeah, right after. And they are, Jeanette's been emailing her for a long time, talking about their families. And I feel like she went down there to kind of make that connection. So I think Jeanette is still doing some soul searching um, sober now. And we know because the family warned Maydellis all about her and her whole life, which is so interesting. Um, but there's still this trip seems so chaotic, but I also want to be on this trip. But they're like, you know, going for an adventure with this German man. They're like, actually, let's just leave him and get in the car with someone else. And let's just go to a beach, any beach. Like it seems chaotic and, um, spontaneous. That word. Uh, so it seems fun, but I also feel like it's, I don't know if that chaos is going to be beneficial for Jeanette or like what's going to happen from here. Yeah, I'm surprised that Jeanette took a vacation to Cuba. Like, I was kind of surprised, like, what is going on in Jeanette's life at this point where she's can afford this vacation? But it's also sad because we know that Jeanette wanted to go to Cuba to, like, learn more about her history, to learn more about her mom, learn more about herself. They're just getting drinking at this resort with each other and kind of having this, like, chaotic experience with this German and that's not what she was going there I mean that's not what she really wanted from the trip and from the connection with Maydellis but that's like where that's the level that she is experiencing this at this moment and I would love to know more about Jeanette's side yeah and I'm interested what happens from here (laughs) like do they go back and does she is it gonna have some yeah, some deep conversations. They're going to go to her grandma's house because that was like next in the agenda. Like, let's go to the beach and then let's see where where grandma grew up. And maybe that will be some kind of like awakening or moment for Jeanette and Maydellis. And I just can't wait to see what happens next. There are so many stories I want to know more of and we only have such a short amount of pages left. So I'm like, I know I'm not going to get all the answers I want, but I'm curious what stories she's going to continue to tell. And I know we're not going to get an ending to all of them and it's not like a chronological story, but I feel like at this point I'm still curious what the overarching kind of theme is and what we're going to get out of it. And I'm based on how well this book has been written so far, I'm sure we'll get that in this next section. So I'm excited. Should we announce our next book? This one is flying by, so I can believe it's already time to announce our next book, but it is. Yay. Our next book is Crying in H Mart, a memoir by Michelle Zahner, which I'm so excited to read. This is a beautiful and deeply moving coming of age story about mothers and daughters, love and grief, food and identity. And I can't 
wait, I will go to H Mart and take pictures for anybody who does not live by an H Mart. Yeah, I don't even know so what an H Mart is. <laughs> so if you could get some pictures an, of H Mart. Yeah. It's an Asian grocery store. Okay, um, cool. they're there's a couple there's a big one by Columbia's campus. But I'm so excited. So um Michelle is like from the the band Japanese Breakfast, which I listened to in high school. Um, <laughs> but I've heard that like this book is like amazing. It's getting it's so it's I think it has a three point six out of four on Goodreads at this four point six out of five. Four point six out of five? <laughs> oh, we love it. I'm I, so excited. Yeah. I just I think it'll be fun to get back into a memoir. Yeah, I was gonna um, say we haven't done a memoir. Have we done one on Book Talk? I don't know if we have. I don't think we have. I think this is our first memoir. Ooh, a memoir. A memoir. Are we ready for the memoir? <laughs> um, so oh. check our Instagram at booktalk underscore podcast for the schedule, which will be out in two weeks, maybe? Approximately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably read the first like 75-ish pages as soon as I get it and partition our section <laughs> Need yeah, to okay also um get your books from a local bookstore if you can if you don't have a local bookstore near you or can't find one that has h mart or uh, crying in h mart bookshop.org is where i get all of my books when i order books online it is an online retailer that is sourced from small bookstores and gives a portion of each purchase back to small bookstores so we'll put a link to our bookshop page in the show notes buy your books from there if you want to buy them online or from a local bookstore or maybe you can get it at the library who knew that's my pitch great job that was an excellent ad just not shmamazon <laughs> Talk, 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 talk. It's finally beautiful in Columbus. It's like 75 and sunny today and blue skies. And I'm so happy. Like also we're planning our trip to South Carolina at the end of the month. And I just, the thing I miss most about living there is like, it still gets cold, but it's just like blue skies, like all the time, even when it's cold, it's just like never gray. And I'm just so excited for it to be like happy, sunshiny weather again. Um, what else is new? Oh, I also read on the topic of Sunshiny and Beautiful, like the most beautiful book. And I gave, did you start it yet? Open Water? I haven't. Oh yeah, I started it. I started it. I'm interested to hear what you think about the writing style of it when you're done. It's a really short book, but um, it's, it's so good. Like the plot is not really the focal point of it. Like it is the focal point of it. I don't really know how to describe that. Wait, do you want to say what the book is? Oh yeah, let me do that. Okay, so the book is called Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson, and it's um, a novel that's exploring what it really means to be a black British man who's living in London. So it follows like his love story, his struggles with the current climate, with police, with just like figuring out who he is within his family and his life. And it's, I thought it was so good the whole time I was reading it. There are some really heartbreaking parts in it. But like the writing is so beautiful. I was just like smiling while reading it. I'm like, this is so pretty. And I just like the imagery and the way that it was written was, I thought, beautiful. So I'm excited to hear what you think about like the way that it was written. 
I think it's interesting that the plot, like it's not told like a story, like here's what happened. And then this day, I feel like you're constantly swimming in open water, (laughs) trying to figure out like where you're at in this story and what's happening. Um, And I think that chaos is like what's going on in his mind. Yeah, I've started it. I haven't gotten far enough to have too much of an opinion yet, but I do love it. And I miss London. Oh, yeah. I've still never been to London. How annoying. My favorite city. It's so I love London. I I, the first time I went to London was because I had a friend who was living there and I was like, I'll be in Europe. I might as well stop by London. And then I (laughs) fell in love and I've been back twice since then. And I just I love that city so much. I would move in a heartbeat. Okay, I need to go. In a heartbeat. It's on my list. Um, which, you know, after being home for you, my list is so long. Oh, oh, can I tell you my embarrassing London story? I would love to hear an embarrassing London story. Which, speaking of, I just saw a TikTok where he was like, hey, baby, just wanted to let you know, like, your most embarrassing moment, like, that person, everybody else has probably forgotten because it happened to you. Like, so it, it's right. really like you remember it, but other people probably don't. And then he was like, except maybe that one thing that you did, because that was really embarrassing. Ah! I would probably remember that if I was there. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Anyways, so I was in London. I went to this really nice vegan restaurant. It was like a Michelin star vegan restaurant. The wine was flowing. The food was flowing. It was delicious. The end of the meal comes and I'm like tell- drunk telling the waitress like, oh, my God, I loved it. It was so good. And my ignorant American ass goes, I didn't know that there was good food in London. <gasps> so I was just shocked. Like it was so good. And she just looked at me like, <laughs> you fucking American. <laughs> No, it was like as soon as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, put it like back, the wine put it won't back, let me put it back. It's just coming out. I have to tell you, it's already coming out. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Wait, was did you say it was a cougar? It was a panther. Did you say it was a panther? No, it's a cougar. No, I don't think so. I'm telling. How much do you want to bet? I'm about to find out. Five dollars. Five dollars. Who's buying the next oat milk lattes? It's not me. <laughs> Mario, Carmen, that little girl, Leela. I love that little girl. Exotic secret animals. We're almost there. Damn it. it is no, a I know. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I owe you five dollars. <laughs> <laughs>